Hi, I pray you're ready for a great study in the Word of God. My name is Pastor Rick. I'm so glad you're with us today. It's going to be amazing. Stay with us. Open your Bible up. Get ready. Get your Bible app up. Whatever you have that has the Word of God on it. And get ready for a great journey. It's really going to be exciting. I believe the Word of God can change your life. and get down to what the Bible says is the marrow of your bone. And so open your heart today and watch God change your life. Stay with us. It's going to be amazing in just a minute. Stay right there. Building a better covenant. Today's subtopic is pretty simple. It's called Decide Where You Stand. A covenant is a decision to stand in a certain place. The word covenant simply means a contract or an agreement. It's you saying, I will do this and you do that. It's a, it's a position that you take. The bank says, we'll loan you. That's their stand, this amount of money. You take a stand and say, I'll pay you this amount of money back every month. That's the covenant. The problem comes in when you don't keep the covenant. The problem is when you sign a contract that's too expensive. You like the car, but you can't make the payment. That's what makes credit cards dangerous. They're easy to swipe, hard to pay back especially when the interest rate's 20-plus percent. It's designed to trap you, designed to hold on to you. The covenant is biased. The contract is selfish. They don't need that much interest. It's not that much risk. That is designed to be a money cow for them. I'm not hating on banks and all those who put it together because if you're on the other side of that money, it's a nice size. But if you're on the paying side of it, it's a painful side. What kind of covenants and contracts have you signed in your life? Some you regret. Some went down the aisle, made a covenant, and you now second-guess that covenant. You're not sure if you can keep it. You're not sure if you want to. And that, my friend, is what you face all of your life. All of your life you decide what covenant you're going to sign. And so for the next several weeks, I want to explore that whole thing. And I want to talk about covenants. Later on, I'll talk about financial covenants, too, later on, probably about a month. I'll get to that whole side of it in a couple of weeks, rather. I'll talk about that whole issue of making covenants and contracts and, and what it feels like and, and what's good and what's bad. But there are two basic covenants I want to explore, and I want to show you in the life of, of, of really two people how this works. First, I want to pick up where we left off last week when I was here a couple weeks ago. Daniel chapter 1, verse 8. If you look at the text, if you have a Bible, if you have notes, you can look at it there. Daniel chapter 1, verse 8. But Daniel purposed in his heart that he would not defile himself. What did the Bible say? Daniel did what? Purposed in his heart that he would not defile himself. He made a covenant with himself. I'm not doing that. I will not eat those foods. He purposed in his heart that he would not defile himself with the portion of the king's delicacies, nor with the wine which he drank. Therefore, he requested of the chief of the eunuchs that he might not defile himself. Now, if you're not familiar with the story, Daniel was one of the captives in Israel that was taken captive by Nebuchadnezzar. Nebuchadnezzar pulled them aside and had Daniel and four of his friends, along with a whole bunch of other guys, put on a special diet. He was looking for some people to work for him, and he wanted them to be in shape, and he wanted them to eat, eat certain foods so they can look, look good. Dan, Nebuchadnezzar was a very hands-on leader, incredibly hands-on. Not only did he require this, three years later, he interviewed each one individually to make sure they met his standards. But Daniel, on the front end of this 
quote, covenant that was forced upon him, by the way. He said, I'm not doing that. And that's the first thing I want you to think about. I want you to think about your decision. What is going to be your final word? Daniel was a man who said, not me. So there are two covenants we're going to talk about. One with yourself. Say that with me, please. Come on. And one with God. Daniel purposed in his heart, I'm not doing that. That's a personal decision. And let me tell you, that's where it all starts. I can't, I can't force you to do anything. Because if I do, those police officers in here would have to come and get me. You have to decide. Church, I can't. I, I, I've learned that as a pastor over the years. I am not able to do that. Secondly, you have to decide how you are going to relate to God. So you have to look at your personal covenant, one with yourself, and then one with God. In Daniel, you see both. Daniel chapter 6, for example, verse 10. Daniel is um, put into a very bad position. Some guys tricked the king, Nebuchadnezzar, into establishing a, quote, worship the king day, pretty much. And they knew that Daniel prayed three times a day to his God, and so they saw Daniel doing that, and they were trying to find a way to trap him because they didn't like them. As a matter of fact, you'll see in the, story, in the book of Daniel, you have two horrible stories, one with Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego where they were put in the fiery furnace because of jealousy. The guys didn't like them because they were elevated above everybody, and so they were trying to find ways to trap them. And so they said, we're going to get Daniel, but the best way to get him is to get Nebuchadnezzar, first of all, to establish a day of worship to him. So they went to Nebuchadnezzar and said, Nebuchadnezzar, you know, we think you're such a great guy and we should have a worship you day and worship no other gods on that day, knowing that Daniel would not succumb to that. And so they made a decree. Nebuchadnezzar said, that's a great idea. Honor me day. Great. And so when they did this, all of a sudden now, Daniel, they knew, was, was going to be trapped. Watch what happens. Chapter 6, verse 10 of Daniel. Now, when Daniel knew that the writing was signed, when Daniel knew that they had signed this decree, that they had to only worship him on that day. Daniel went home. And in his upper room, with his windows open toward Jerusalem, he knelt down on his knees three times that day and prayed and gave thanks before his God, as was his what? Custom since his early days. This was a part of his life. And those guys knew it. And the whole, the whole thing with lying in the, the Daniel lions then came out of this because they went and told Nebuchadnezzar, you know, he didn't do right, and he didn't worship you on that day, and so now you need to throw him in the lion's den. And in the story, he survived it. The lions didn't attack him, and it's a famous story in the Bible. He came out of the lion's den, and the guys who tried to get him put in there, they, they ended up getting attacked killed by lions. But the story shows that he made a covenant with God and a covenant with himself. I saw a guy, I was in Texas uh, the other day, and I saw a guy, he was a Jewish guy, and it was right before the Sabbath, which is Friday at 6 o'clock. That's when Sabbath starts for the Jewish people. And, and, um, and it goes to 6 o'clock Saturday. And so this guy um, pulled over on the side of the road, and he got out of the car, and he, was, he was, had a mat or something, and he was on the side of the road worshiping God at 6. I looked at my watch, and I thought, it's, it's Sabbath. They call it Shabbat in, 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 in Israel. And Shabbat is such a big part of their life. I mean, it's, everything centers around Shabbat. It does, the Sabbath. So when I went to preach, they told me, okay, you know, Shabbat 
And so here's what you need plan to do. Be, I need you to be with my family on Shabbat. And, and they told me what to expect. And it was interesting when I saw this guy, I, I, I immediately thought, what devotion? Call it what you want to, legalism, whatever you feel. But that was amazing to me that he was willing. At, he was going to be on his knees. And he pulled off the freeway because the freeway was jam-packed. And he said, I'm worshiping God. He pulled over in front of everybody. He was bowing and worshiping and singing or whatever he was doing. It was pretty dramatic for me to watch. What covenant have you made with God? What covenant have you made with yourself? Now, what I want to do is take you on a journey uh, in, the, in the Bible, Genesis chapter 6. And I want to take you away from Daniel now. I want to go to another story. And I want to show you this because, the, to me, one of the most profound examples of covenant in the Bible, beside Adam and Eve, is the covenant that Noah made with God. And there, there's a lot in this story that I want you to see because there's a personal covenant that Noah had to make and there's a God covenant that he had to make. Look at chapter 6, verse 18. God speaks to Noah and says this, I will establish my covenant with you and you will enter the ark, you and your sons and your wife and your sons' wives with you. Now, if you are not familiar with the story, Noah was a guy in chapter 6 that the Bible describes as uniquely godly. He was different. He was one of those individuals, it's, it's amazing, that just refused to follow the crowd. The whole earth, the Bible says in Genesis 6, became wicked. It's a story of how after Adam and Eve and the uh, garden experience, the world tilted downward morally. And so God made this incredible decision that I'm going to destroy the entire world. Now, this was the, the most amazing story. If you can imagine this, God comes to you and he says, okay, I'm going to kill everybody but you. Everybody. Now, I want you to think about what that means. That means I don't get to go, nobody around you gets to go, none of your church friends, none of your nobody but you and your family is going to survive this. Now, that's, that's a tremendous story. It's a powerful moment, and the word covenant is used. I established my covenant with you. It's personal. And here's what you're going to do. You're going to enter this thing called the ark. You're going to go, ark, what's that? It's a big boat. And, and it's only going to be your wife, your sons, and their, and their wives. That's it. Everybody else, all the cousins, nephews, friends, neighbors, everybody else is going to be left behind. Now that, my friend, is tough because for most of us, we like to take people along with us. And that, my friend, is what stops you from making covenants. It's hard. You won't come to church unless somebody comes with you. There are a lot of things you won't do unless somebody joins you. But what about those moments when it's not possible? And so here you have this incredible moment where these people are told this is what's going to happen. Now watch two observations here about this covenant God made with Noah. Number one, the covenant was personal between God and Noah's family. Nobody else involved. What's your family's name on the count of three? Say it, one, two, three. Imagine that. One more time. What's your family's name? Imagine the covenant being between just you and your family. Think about this. The covenant was personal and it was designed to save 
One family, one family, one family, just one. Nobody else is going to make it at all. Here's the story, chapter 7, verse 1. Then the Lord said to Noah, come into the ark and all your household, because I have seen that you are righteous before me in this generation. So Noah, with his sons, his wife, and his sons' wives, went into the ark because of the waters of the flood. And they went in unto Noah, into the ark, two and two of all flesh, that's all the animals, wherein there was a breath of life. So you have two monkeys, two elephants, all these things piled in, and they went in, and male and female of all flesh, as God had commanded him. And the Lord said, the Lord did what? Shut him in. The Lord closed the door. Now let me pause for a second. Imagine with me for a moment you have this amazing moment where something called rain shows up. Some people say it took over 100 years to build this. I want you to think about this for a second. What would it be like for you to try to explain to people there's going to be a flood and there never was a flood? A lot of people struggle when they've never seen things. But this is the first time. There was no rain, by the way. The Bible says that they would water, the water would come from the, from the ground and, and water the earth. It was, there was a mist. There was never any rain. So imagine you're building this ark. I'm going to show it to you in a minute. And you're describing this to people. And they're saying, so tell me why you're building this boat again. Rain. What's rain, Noah? It's water from the sky. Well, it doesn't rain from the sky, Noah. And so imagine how hard it is to communicate something that people don't understand. Whenever you make a covenant with God, there will be things that only you get. Everybody around you will not get it. When I made certain covenants with myself, I've learned everybody around me will not get it. What, is it, what was it like to, for over 100 years, be working on this project, and you'll see how useless this was in a minute, and nobody's with you? Can you make a covenant without a crowd? It's emotional. It's a powerful moment for them, and I want you to watch what happens. Here's, here's the reality of this. They had to come inside. That was part of the covenant. If they stayed outside of the ark, they would lose. They would die. They had to leave all their possessions. They couldn't bring it all with them. They got to bring a few things with them, but they couldn't bring their house. Thirdly, they had to leave all their family, cousins. Think about that. Mama, daddy, everybody, <laughs> all their friends. And then they had to sit in there for 377 days. Have you ever taken a cruise that long? <laughs> One year and 12 days. One year and 12 days. Genesis 8, 14 says that. One year and 12 days. They were in that boat a long time. Now, you imagine the smell of the animals and all that stuff and it's a long time. I, they had a movie out about Noah I just absolutely did not like. It was unbiblical. It had stowaways. It was just totally unscriptural. I thought, what is this? There were no stowaways on the boat. You don't sneak on. All of this is a picture of Christ. The whole story is a picture. It's God saying to you as an individual, can we make a covenant? Are you willing to come into a relationship with me? Are you willing to come into the ark and come alone? 
Everybody's not coming with you. Everybody's not going to decide to do it. You must decide on your own. It's a big decision. You got to decide to build this thing, Noah, on your own. Let me show you how big it was. It was huge. There is something called the Ark Encounter uh, out of northern Kentucky. And you can go to the website. i put the link there for you. But I want you to just look at this. This is incredible. How long was the Ark? Watch this. Approximately 510 feet long. It would take nearly one and a half football fields to equal the Ark's length. Everybody say, wow. That's big enough for NASA. They could lay three space shuttles nose to nose on the Ark's roof. That's a big boat. If you look up on the screen, you can see it. I hope they're showing you at home, too. It's a huge, huge boat. How, how tall was the ark? The roof of, the, of Noah's ark was more than 50 feet uh, from the ground, higher than a modern four-story home. That's plenty of space for three extra tall inner decks in the, that the Bible describes. Look at how much cargo it could fit. Truckloads of cargo space could be placed into the ark. The ark had the same storage capacity as about 450 standard semi-trailers. <laughs> Can you say wow again? A standard livestock trailer holds about 250 sheep. So the ark had the capacity to hold, catch this now, 120,000 sheep. That's a lot of bad. Can you? Will you decide to make a covenant with God to do something that others may not understand? Will you decide? I love the graphic that we have up that shows you a guy standing over a cliff, and the question is, where will you stand? It's all about you making the decision. Here's what I learned about me this week. I was astonished at this. I was doing this research, and it said that guys like me should retire after about 20 years. So I'm 18 years late. No, this is true. The average pastor survives, um, survives is a big word, lasts in a job about 10 years now. It used to be three and a half years. Now, I believe that that time has grown for a lot of reasons. One reason is I believe that the age of an average pastor has changed. The average pastor now is 55. And it's really hard to get younger guys to sign up for pastoring. Most guys don't want to do it anymore. I mean, it's very few now, under 20%. So the pipeline is thinning out. In other words, how many guys are you know, coming in? And so you have this 55 is the average age of pastors. Now, I think the reason that's true is because the average person who's 55 works on a job for 10 years. Younger people work on jobs on average of two years, they're about, depending on the age, between 18 and 25 if you are up to 35, the average, well, the average American works four years on a job. Everybody say four years. Four years on a job. Four years. The older you get, the longer you stay. That's why I believe the pastoral average has gone up. But a lot of guys, after three and a half, four years, they quit. Seven years, they, 20 years, they said, is just long enough. And so I thought, oh, my God, I've been here too long. I should have left 18 years ago. But I realized the reason I'm still here is because of the covenant. I'm willing to be different. Here's what they say happens to you after 20 years. You have any more vision. You're not creative. You don't have any more ideas that you just kind of float and you just kind of coast along. And eventually you are bad for the organization. 
And they talk about CEOs. They talk about other leaders. As a matter of fact, some even say seven years is perfect. After seven years, you need to get a new CEO, get a new guy. He doesn't have any vision. And I thought to myself, why am I still here? Why am I still excited? I made a covenant to be different. I make a covenant that in the next 20 years of my life, I'm going to do more than I've ever done. Can I get an amen to that? I made a covenant that I'm going to work to stay in shape. I made a covenant I'm going to try. I made a covenant that I'm not going to just let my life fly by. But that's a decision that nobody can make for me. Nobody can decide for me to have new series every month or every other month. Nobody can decide to make me study. Nobody can do that for me. And look at me, friend. Nobody can do it for you. Come on, amen. Nobody can do it for you. Here's what you've got to decide, just like, like Daniel did. You've got a purpose in your heart. I'm not going to be that way. I refuse to be this way. I will not let that happen to me. You have to decide to come in. So that's you. Now imagine what it was like for them the day that the rain started to fall. And they walked in the ark. Imagine looking saying, oh, time's up. And, and the walk inside. And then here's what's powerful in the text I read to you. God had to shut the door. He had to lock them in. Because it's hard to leave people behind. Some of you love a person more than you love your own life. I think it's unhealthy. I love my children, but I will not allow myself to be put in a place where I, I can't love me. They made, a, they, made a, they made a covenant with themselves. This is painful, but I'm getting in this ark. It's painful, but I'm, I'm making a covenant to change. It's painful, but I made a covenant with God, just me. I had a moment the other day. I was um, in my garage, and my wife's car was, we have these, you know, designated parking slots, you know. And so if you pull in the garage and you're in her space, like, hey, you're on my side. You do this with the bed too, right? You know, your side, my side, you know, everything is really divided up, right? And so I, I, I was, first, we, something happened where a guy was doing some work around the house, so she had to pull into my spot, and then I pulled into hers. And so she left earlier the other day, from, and I was, I was in the garage by myself, and I was, I, I was loading up my car, and, and, I, and I, her car was gone. And I was standing there in the garage, and I had a moment, a real moment. What if, what if she were gone, and it was just me and my one car in this garage, in this house that's of a good size, and I'm here alone? It's a powerful moment. And let me tell you what makes it more powerful for me is because I counsel people who's lo- who've lost their mates um, I dealt with death three times yesterday. I'm always dealing with death. Always. Church of this size, 3,400 active members, you're going to deal with it a lot. Every week. Every week. And some of the stories are harder to talk about than you want to talk about. So I don't. I just don't. I don't think it's, I just don't. Sorry. Too much. But standing in that garage, I, I made a covenant 
God, I cannot allow myself to drown in loneliness. I cannot allow myself to think of that possibility and lose all hope for life. I can't allow myself to be depressed about a possibility like that. If that ever happens, I'll make it. The same thing I tell other people, I'll tell myself. And I stood in that garage and said, God, I make a covenant with you that I will trust you with my life. When my kids move out and I see some of your kids have gone and you've lost yourself, you don't even have a purpose anymore. You can't even explain your life. You can't even see. You can't see anything. As I close this out, I want you to think about this for a minute. Your life is more than your children. Your life is more than Pastor Rick and this church. Your life is more than a job and a career. I love my wife, but I cannot allow myself to think that that's all there is to life. Can you, can you say amen if you're here in your church? Amen. Father, I pray in Jesus' name. I pray that what I have said today has spoken. I pray in Jesus' name that you would touch hearts and minds. I pray, God, that your spirit would be strong, focused, present in my life. I thank you for all the people around me. But there are times you call me into the ark. Just me and you. Everybody doesn't get to go. Sometimes I have to go alone, stand alone. But like Noah and those winning that ark, trusting you, there are times I have to stand alone and trust you. Man, look this way. There's a father in here. You are feeling alone. You are tempted to feel like you're the last man on the earth. I don't normally do this, but if I were where you're sitting, I would stand. I could say that's me at times. I feel the If you feel that way, brothers, if that's you, stand on your feet. If you're like me, if you feel like you're the lonely man in the world sometimes, stand on your feet, bro. Come on. I'm waiting on you. Thank you, sir. I'm waiting on you. Come on. Come on. I'm waiting on you guys. Everybody else. I'll match the sisters too in a minute. Father, we lift up every man who stood and every man who won't stand. Heal their hearts today. Help them feel your presence and your grace. In Jesus' name. All right, now guys, you, you, you sit down. Ladies, same story. You feel like you're, you're alone by yourself. Stand. You feel like sometimes you're the only woman in the world. You're facing pressures by yourself. You feel alone and isolated. You feel like you're by yourself. You fight it off. You're me standing in that garage. You feel the pressure of it. 
kids, job, work, life. You're trying to be strong, but you feel alone. No one said you're weak. I just said you fight off what I fought off that day. Father, lift up every single one today who's standing. Touch them, heal them. Let them know that they're not alone. That in, even in those moments of isolation, your presence is there with them. And God, I give you the praise and the glory and the honor for what you're going to do in their lives. In Jesus' name. Why don't you look at the pastor? Don't sit down yet. Look at the pastor for a second. Look at me. Look at me. Sometimes God wants you alone. He's trying to build something in you that nobody can see. It's just for you. All by yourself. That's where he's going to educate you and make you strong, make you rich. You can't fight everybody on the ark with you. Sometimes God knows that this season is the best season for you. In that moment, standing in that garage, God wanted me to feel something. It's okay if you are by yourself for a season. Because the work that he wants to do in you, everybody can't do it. And sometimes he locks the door and said, nobody allowed. I'm doing surgery, and it's just me and you. I'm going to fix your mind. Come on, say amen. I'm going to fix your mind. I'm going to fix your heart. Come on, say amen if you're hearing me, church. Come on, say amen. You may be seated, ladies. have a decision to make. Get on this ark, drown. Those are the choices. You can get on this ark and make a covenant to get free from these drugs or drown. Where do you think you're going to be if you don't get on the ark? If you don't step into this new place in your life? The older I get, which is one of the most amazing things, the older I get, here's what happens. You know, when you're younger, you don't see this because you don't see, you have the season of life where you think you're going to be like this forever, right? And then you get to this next season where you can you school, you got all these dreams and college and all that stuff, right? And then, and then you get a job and now you're working every day, okay? Then that season goes and then you have, you have kids and you know, maybe you get married or whatever. And then, okay, that season, then the kids move out, okay, now... And then sometimes through divorce, it doesn't work out. Sometimes through death, whatever. Then it's just you. Mom and daddy aren't there anymore. Imagine that. I look at my kids and I see how engaged they are with us and how much they love us and how much we talk. And I think in the back of my head, I said, when the day comes, I'm not here. When you can't call me, like I can't call my mom. Greatest decision I ever made in my life was to make a covenant with God and a covenant with myself. Let me flip it. Covenant with myself. I had to decide. I changed the way I'm thinking. And then I made a covenant with God. You got to do that. Pastor Rick can't force you to do it. Your mama's not going to force you to do it. Your room will be junky all your life. Your money will be bad all your life. You'll be sick and physically challenged all of your life. You'll die in lack and need and struggle all of your life. 
You'll be fighting somebody physically all your life. You'll be running from relationship to relationship all of your life. If that's what you want, have at it. But I made a decision. I'm not going to be some man chasing every woman I see. I'm not going to be drawn into all this lust and lying. It's a lie from the pit of hell. I'm sorry for saying it. It ain't true. If it was true, I'd be the biggest luster there was because it's just, yeah, that's just lust. That's good. That, that's not good. It's a lie. 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 And some of you women clapping for the members. You need to clap for yourself because you got it too. You know what I'm saying? You got it the same spirit. Lie to all your life. Make a decision. Stand someplace. Decide where you're going to stand. I'm not going to be that person dragged about like that, tossed to and fro like the Bible says. But I'm going to stand up today and be different. Let's all stand. Father, we leave this place today inspired to think about our future. There are people in this room who need to think about their walk with God. They need to come on in the ark. They need to make a decision today that only they can make. With every head bowed, every eye closed, if you're here today and you say, Pastor Ricky Temple, I heard you. I need to come to Jesus. I need to make a decision about my walk with God. What you said was absolutely true. No one can force me. It's my choice. You, if you want me to pray for you, if you said, Pastor, I, I want to start a life with Jesus, and I want you to pray for me before we leave. We're leaving in about two minutes. In these next two, three minutes, if you're saying, yeah, that's me, I want to start a walk with Jesus, and I want you to send me out this door, having prayed for me, raise your hand. Anybody saying, pray for me, Pastor, that's me. I want to start a walk. I see one. I see two. I see three. I see more. Do I see more? I see you in Jesus' name. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. I see you. Thank you. Anybody else am I praying for? Who else am I praying for? Who else? Praying for me, Pastor. Pray. Let's, let's pray. Father, we thank you for all who raise their hands and many who raise their hearts, both here and at home. We ask you to touch them in Jesus' name. Let this be the moment that they come into the ark, they come into a relationship with the living God, a covenant relationship, a contract. And all they're saying is, Jesus, I acknowledge my, my issues. I acknowledge my need for you, and I want you in my life. That's how it starts. And so today I pray that, that many would begin to make that confession. It starts with a prayer and a covenant. And so today, we make a covenant with you. And we give you all the praise and all the glory in Jesus' name. And everyone say amen. Did you learn something today? I hope you did. I hope you learned something today. Well, I pray you're blessed by today's message. I want to encourage you to reach out to us. We'd love to hear more from you. You can go to overcomingbyfaith.org. That's overcomingbyfaith.org. We'd love to hear from you. love to be connected to you in some way if you have a question or concern. We love you and pray for you. We ask God's blessing upon your life. You know, the Word of God comes alive and changes your life if you allow it to. So you go be blessed and you have a great day. Remember, reach out to us on all the different mediums. We'd love to see you in person if you can, if you're ever in Savannah. You be blessed. We'll see you next time right here with us at Overcome by Faith. My name is Pastor Rick. I'll see you next time. Bye-bye.